So words matter. The words we write, the words we speak to others can leave a huge impact, create a lasting memory, either good or bad. You know this. Words matter. So it's super important what words we choose. Words can make or break a relationship. Words can accelerate or kill a career. As we've seen across the nation, words can create peace or chaos. Words can heal or harm. Here are a few helpful quotes about the power of words. Be mindful when it comes to your words. A string of them that don't mean much to you may stick with someone else for a lifetime. Be careful with your words. Once they are said, they can only be forgiven, not forgotten. Words are free. It's how you use them that may cost you. Raise your words, not your voice. It's rain that grows flowers, not thunder. Kind words can be short and easy to speak, but they are echoes that are truly endless. That comes from Mother Teresa. And then this, speech has power. Words do not fade. What starts out as a sound ends as a deed. That's Abraham Joshua Heschel. Throughout the Bible, this whole big book here, we are reminded about the power and influence of words. And one of those places is the letter of James. A couple of weeks ago, I shared some comments of introduction about the letter of James to help us know more about this little letter that comes at the very end of the New Testament, a short letter from what seems to be a pastor, James, writing to his congregation. His pastoral comments do not talk much about the grace of God, but they talk a lot about how we're called to live with grace as God's people. He does not mention Jesus very often, but he calls us to live in the ways of Jesus. He calls us to live with the heart of Jesus. You may recall James' more familiar words from two weeks ago, be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Be doers. James keeps pressing about how we live. James keeps pressing what we say, what we do as God's people really matters. And today's passage focuses on the power of words, what comes from our mouths, from our tongues. Listen to these words from James chapter 3, or read along with me in the bulletin. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships. Though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. 
How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species, but... No one can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord and Father. And with it, we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. For the same mouth, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or a grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Pastor James, and James in the early church, writing to his congregation, knows the might and the danger of words. Words can make or break a relationship. Words can convey love or hate, good or evil, words can help or destroy and harm. Pastor James also seems to know his Bible. This is what Proverbs 21:23 says, "Those who guard their mouths and their tongues guard themselves from trouble." And this is what Psalm 34:13 says, Then you must keep your tongue from evil and keep your lips from speaking lies. James also seems to know Jesus and know Jesus' words because in Matthew, Jesus says, It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, but what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. So this message makes me recall the wonderful quote attributed to St. Francis of Assisi who said, This about following Jesus. Go out and preach the gospel and use words if necessary. Words can be so helpful, yet so dangerous. Words can build up or they can tear down. We have to be careful with our words. And James, in this letter, teaches us with real vividness and with flair with references to the bridle in a horse's mouth, a rudder on a ship, the power of a small spark to create a raging, damaging fire, and how much we know about that in these days. James even says, no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. So especially in these unusual and chaotic times, we must all work on our speech, watching our words, the words we write, the words we say. We can all pay closer attention to our words, which have great power. Our words can be destructive and divisive. They can bring wholeness and healing. So friends, the choice is ours. David Brooks from the New York Times wrote an article a few years ago entitled, What Our Words Tell Us. With everything becoming digital now, it's possible to study the use of words across a lot of years. 
and the frequency of certain words that are used across the decades. So Brooks unpacked this extensive study and noted two main points. First, in the last 50 years, words and phrases like personal, self, individual, I come first, I can do it myself, all those words and phrases increase dramatically in usage. Conversely, communal words and phrases like community, collective, tribe, together, share, united, common good, they were all on the decline. Second, the word search studies also showed a decline in general moral terms, moral phrases like virtue, decency, and conscience. Words associated with moral excellence like honesty, integrity, patience, compassion were used much less often. Brooks noted that usage of courage words like bravery and fortitude fell significantly in the last 50 years, except maybe with a little uptick immediately after 9-11. Bravery, fortitude, courage. Usage of gratitude words like thankfulness and appreciation dropped off also. Usage of humility words like modesty and humbleness dropped by 52%. Usage of compassion words like kindness and helpfulness dropped by 56%. So this is the conclusion from David Brooks, and I quote, Over the past half century, society has become more individualistic, and as it has become more individualistic, it has also become less morally aware because social and moral fabrics are intricately linked. The atomization and the demoralization of society have led to certain forms of social breakdown. This shifting use of words reflects a shift in our culture. With less words about community bonds and compassion and conviction and care, we have increasing problems and increasing divisions. Way back in the end of the first century, when the church of Jesus was just trying to figure out what it means to be the church, James had some vivid insights about the power and problem of words. The tongue is a small member, but it boasts great exploits. Tongues, our words, need taming. They need discipline. I love how vividly James warns us. With the tongue, we can bless the Lord and Father, and with it, we can curse those who are made in the likeness of God. My brothers and sisters, says James, this ought not be so. Can't you just feel and hear James's heart urging us to be better, to be cautious with our words? Can't you just sense his pastoral concern for his congregation? We cannot just say certain things. Our words reflect the depths of our souls. Or the lack of it. Are we God's people in what we say and do? What we say and do matter very much to Jesus. James is calling forth 
the very best from us with words and with deeds. And then he goes on with more images. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or a grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh, he says. What inspires you to be your best self? What is it that inspires us to be the best we can be? Is it somebody condemning you, shaming you, laying on the guilt? Some people try to motivate others in that way. Is that it? Or do you become your best self because someone shows you a better way, a more excellent path? In Jesus' teaching, he tried all kinds of ways to bring out the best selves of his disciples. He told some, specifically in the Gospel of Matthew, that if they didn't repent and do better, they would burn in a lake of fire and suffer eternal pain and banishment. In other places, Jesus coaxed and compelled his disciples to do better. He told a rich man that his addiction to money would keep him out of the kingdom. He told one of his closest friends that he wasn't as loyal as he thought he was. He told an angry crowd that their anger against a sinful woman should have been channeled toward their own sins. Jesus also at times just laid it out there. It's not what goes in your mouth. It's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Love God. Love neighbor. These are the greatest commands of God. I think James... James the pastor, James the letter, tries to encourage us in something super important and super pertinent for our days, the might and danger of words. Watch what we say. Watch what we say. The tongue is small but so powerful. There are no shortcuts to a great and faithful life. It calls for discipline. It calls for care. It calls for watching and paying attention to words. Let your words be filled with kindness, justice, and peace. Our lives should not pour out anything but fresh and living water. And that takes intentionality. That takes devotion. That takes commitment every day from all of us. Our lives should bear good fruit with special attention to our words. Words matter. This week in Richmond... We've been reminded afresh about the power and the might and the danger of words and symbols. The taking down of the Lee Monument is another step to wash away the brackish waters in which we've been living for so many years. And we have to keep tending to our words and to our symbols and to the messages that we send out and the kind of culture that is ours. The Massive Lee Monument embodied certain words. It embodied a certain narrative. The, and most of us missed this for a very long time. That monument said that white supremacy was a noble cause. It said that some people matter more than others. That Southern and slave culture was more important than a constitution. That the lost cause is bigger than liberty and justice for everyone. For too long, many of us looked at the beauty of the monument 
And we were blind to the message of the monument. James pleads with us and keeps pleading with us to pay attention to the words. Pay attention to the symbols and the messages of your, of your life. James, following Jesus, calls us to stand for the hard right against the easy wrong. James calls us to be careful with what we say. Only blessings should come forth from our mouths. Only things that build up and serve God should come forth from our mouths. Not things that serve the self, but serve God and others. James urges us to focus only on words and actions that give, not get. Only on things that move the world closer to God's justice and God's great joy. Keep on that path, James is urging us. Words matter. May our words always embody the ways of Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we live and die by your word, and we seek with our words to be about the work of your promised reign.